Glad, glad everyone's here. Glad you're having a good time. Hope you have your lessons notes. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. We're looking at verses 9 through 11 as we work our way through the first chapter in Revelation. Now, perspective is everything. And as Gwen and I uh, anticipate, we're already kind of, this is kind of a, the uh, early, the, I don't know, the test drive of the empty nest. I said, Gwen, this is awesome. We need, we need to make this empty nest stuff like a second honeymoon. Amen. Now, why, why are you, you, you laugh like she laughed. What, what, Michaela, what's the deal with that? So I'm keep, I keep selling that, but I'm not sure what's, what's happening, but we'll, we'll, we'll try. But, Perspective is everything. So let me let me read you. This is a letter. I, I could see this happening, uh, getting this letter from Amber here in her uh, freshman year. Dear Mom and Dad, it has now been three months since I left for college. I'm sorry for my thoughtlessness in not having written before. I will bring you up to date, but before you read on, you had better sit down. Okay. Are you ready? Ready for this? I am getting along pretty well. The skull fracture and concussion I got when I jumped out of my apartment window when it caught fire after my arrival here is pretty well healed. I only spent two weeks in the hospital, and now I can see almost normally and only get these sick headaches once a day. Fortunately, the fire and my jump were witnessed by Roger, an attendant at the gas station. And he was the one who called the fire department. He also visited me in the hospital. And since I had nowhere to live, he was kind enough to invite me to share his apartment with him. He's a very fine man, and we are planning to get married. We haven't set the date yet, but it will be before my pregnancy begins to show. His divorce is final now, and he shares custody with his three children. Now that I brought you up to date, I want to tell you, that there was no fire, I didn't have a concussion or skull fracture, I was not in the hospital, I'm not pregnant, I'm not engaged, and there's no divorced man in my life. However, I am getting a D in art and an F in biology, and I want you to see these marks in their proper perspective. All right? So, Julie was a smart kid, right? I mean, she deserves, you know, I don't know what she'll do in college. Well, she's not doing too good in college, but she'll probably do pretty good in life. Putting matters in perspective. Well, you see there in your notes, tough times tend to distort our perspectives. Man, if you can get that for today, if you agree with that, if you can relate to that, then this lesson is going to be a help for you. Okay, tough times tend to distort our perspective. Why? Because the greatest danger, the greatest danger during a time of crisis is a loss of perspective. And I mean, literally, when you are in a tough time, and if you've been there, you're going to nod your head and say, I've been there, emotionally, mentally, I mean, it almost at times seemed the room is spinning and your life is spinning and all you can focus on is your problem and you're not sure about tomorrow, much less can I make it through today. Have you been there and done that? You lose perspective. And here's what we lose perspective on. The very things that John's been teaching us. Look at this. During times of crisis, we begin to lose sight of God's priorities. 
the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why this book is written, because the people they were writing to in the last decade, the last decade of the first century were in a time of crisis, persecution, tribulation. We're going to talk about that today. Emperor Domitian was unleashing persecution on the people of God. That's why John's on the island of Patmos. And so he wants them to remember, look, don't lose perspective on God's priorities. Look at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we learned, be ready, stay focused, bear witness, be obedient. But we also lose sight of God's provisions. That's in verse 4. To you, grace and peace in the local church. Oh, it's so easy in times of trouble to put those things on the back burner and not be faithful in worship at the local church. We also lose perspective of God as provider and we forget that we have these resources from Him, the Eternal Father, the Empowering Spirit, the Exalted Son. And then we lose sight of God's purpose. That was in verses 5 through 8, that we are to live to Him. And two weeks ago we talked about seize the day for Christ before the presence of God until He comes. Well, Instead of focusing on those things, here's what we focus in times of crisis. Number one, ourselves. Amen? Problems make us lose perspective of God as our provider and of God with His priorities for us, and we focus on ourselves. I'm all alone in this. No one cares. It's just me. Number two, when we focus on ourselves, we focus on our problems. In times of crisis, we can't see beyond our problems. No one understands. And instead of looking at God's provisions for us, we focus on our problems. Number three, we tend to focus on our solutions, which involve often escaping and finding, you know, uh, uh, changing our circumstances, looking for answers within our own wisdom, instead of, instead of living out God's purpose in the midst of our problems. Now, what's the result of all this? We lose God's perspective during tough times. Would you agree? We lose God's perspective. And yet, our spiritual preparedness for the second coming of Jesus Christ requires that we maintain God's perspective. And again, this past election and all that was involved in that, and I don't care which side of the aisle you vote on or or live on, that's not the issue. The issue, it caused a whole lot of Christians to lose perspective on what's really important. And if just an election can do that, just think when the real troubles and the real persecution comes to this country, all right? And so we got to prepare ourselves to maintain God's perspective. And that's really the main idea here. Spiritual preppers maintain their perspective until the big reveal, until the second coming of Jesus Christ. So let's look at verses 9 through 11, because I really believe that's why John has written these verses is for give us perspective. And we know John maintained perspective because here's what he says in these verses. I was on the island of Patmos, which is a place of persecution, but I was also in the Spirit on the Lord's day. 
Look for these identical phrases as we read. So look in your Bible, Revelation 9, or 1, 9 through 11. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of of Jesus. You can write all over that tough times. But look at his perspective. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Now you got to understand this little island, he's living in a cave. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, "Write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches." to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Now, in those three verses, I'm going to give you three ways to maintain God's perspective in tough times. So let's look at them. Number one, if we're going to maintain God's perspective, number one, tough, we, need to, uh, uh, we need to maintain our perspective with tough times perseverance. Tough times, perseverance. What do you need in tough times? You need to persevere. Now notice, this is all in verse 9. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom, and there's our word, perseverance, which are, was, which are in Jesus. And why did he need it? I was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I'm being persecuted. So here's what, what we need to understand. Number one, expect tough times till Jesus comes. The best way to persevere through tough times is to expect them, right? Expect them so that you can get ready. And there's two things we should expect as Christians that John's telling us in these verses. First of all, expect tribulation as long as you live in a fallen world. You know, it, and, and I'm just like you. What happens? You know, we're sailing along. We think we're living the American dream. We got a little more we want to get. We got a little ways we want to upgrade our lives. We're trucking along, but we have our Bible. We go to church. We're a good person. And then all of a sudden, troubles come. And if you're like me, you're like, how'd that happen? Right? Where did that come from? And we're surprised. I don't care who you are, we all get surprised. And yet, the Bible tells us, don't be surprised. Expect tribulation as long as you live in a fallen world. Because here's the thing. A lot of times we think we're still li living in Eden. But we live east of Eden. We've been cast out of paradise. We live in a fallen world filled with fallen people. And we ourselves, even as believers, still have a sin nature. So we should expect tribulation. Well, let's talk a little bit about this word, tribulation, that you see there in verse 9 in your Bibles. Now, some translations have suffering. Uh, the NIV has trouble. Some say trouble and suffering, trials and sorrows. The idea, as you trace this word, it means pressure. Pressure. Okay? You ever had that tightness in your chest? You ever had that feeling where there's a weight on your shoulders? We use all these figures of speech. Why? Because you, when you're in tough times, there's pressure. 
And that pressure tends to push out God's priorities. That pressure tends to push out the people of God, the purposes of God, and we end up losing our perspective. If you take 2 Corinthians, and I think I gave you the verses, and you trace this word, tribulation, pressure, suffering, you can see that Paul says it refers to things like when he had so many burdens and so much persecution, he thought he was going to die. He thought he was going to die. It talks about hardships, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, uh, sleeplessness, hunger. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 11, he says, he talks about in verse 23, Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I'm more so for far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. He was beat with a whip five times, 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. That's with a stick and, I mean, a metal rod. I was stoned three times. I mean, normal people are killed by this stuff. Paul is enduring it multiple times. In, he was shipwrecked and he spent a night and a day floating on the ocean, you know, like, uh, uh, what was the Hanks movie? Castaway. castaway. He was a castaway. Okay, I've been, on, I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren, sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And on top of all these external things, the internal pressure of pastoring, planting, and protecting local churches. Do you feel the pressure? What do you think Paul would say to most of us when we bring our problems to him? You know, he would say, what? Man up. You're exactly right. Man up in Christ. Look, you know, and the point isn't to make little of our pressures compared to his, but let's not belittle what the word of God says just because we don't really suffer much in this country. We have our brothers and sisters here from Nigeria and other countries. They know that this isn't just something that happened in the past. This is happening in the world today. Amen? To God's people. And you know what? We shouldn't be surprised when it comes. Our surprise should be that we're relatively not experiencing that. Okay? The surprise is how God has been gracious to allow that. But I'm not even sure it's a blessing to not be persecuted. Because we have pressures, and that's what Sam and Robbie are asking us to pray about. There's a pressure of living in material ease that pushes you away from Jesus Christ. Are you with me? The culture shock that they're asking us to pray about is the culture shock of the pressure of, wow, it's hard to live the Christian life even in relatively ease. So here's the idea of tribulation. It's the external and internal pressure of being a faithful Christ follower in a fallen world. 
And maybe if we're not experiencing this kind of pressure, it's because we're not faithfully following Jesus. Maybe we're so much like the world, there isn't a pressure on us. But I say to you today, if you're truly born again and you're living like the world, there should be an internal conviction of the Holy Spirit that is grieving, convicting, and moving you to live faithfully in this world. And when you do, you should expect pressure. Now, John knew what tribulation pressure was because he said he was on the island of Patmos. And when he says that in that day to these seven churches, they knew that was like the Alcatraz of their day. If you were a political prisoner put on the island of Patmos, you were free to roam this volcanic island that's volcanic rock. Nothing pretty about this. Nothing easy about this. And the island was only about five to ten miles wide. So if you were a political prisoner, you could, you could kind of walk around and, uh, you know, have relative freedom on this island. But criminals or religious prisoners, it is said, like John, were forced to do hard labor in the mines beneath the island. So you're you're, you're tapping into volcanic rock. It's back-breaking. It's mind-numbing. It's strength-sapping. It's, it, it, it's difficult punishment for anyone, much less a 90-year-old man. All right? But the reality is this. We face pressure, spiritual pressure, from the devil every day. Listen to John 16, Here's what Jesus said. These things I've spoken to you. So that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, pressure, same word. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Now, it's interesting how Jesus says that. He says, in the world, you have tribulation. He doesn't say you will have, you might have. The bottom line is, when you're a born-again believer and you're in this world, you have pressure. Demonic pressure. What does Romans 12.2 say? The world is constantly trying to squeeze us into its mold. To think like them, act like them, talk like them, live like them. But here's what 1 Peter 4.12 says. Beloved, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes among you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Tribulation pressure in this world is normal. So, expect it as long as you live in a fallen world. But here's another kind of tribulation he's talking about. Number two, expect persecution as long as you seek to live godly. Expect persecution as long as you seek to live godly. And we know that that's what he's experiencing. Why? Because he's there because of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So let me ask you, is there enough, is there enough witnessing in your life to even cause anyone to persecute you? Is there enough of taking a stand and speaking up for Christ to even get any pushback? That's what we need to realize. Notice what it says. Expect to be persecuted for being faithful to Christ by taking a stand for the Word of God 
and speaking up for the Lord. This is why we should be persecuted. So, sadly, a lot of Christians are persecuted for just being foolish, not for being Christ-like. Are you with me? A lot of people in the workplace, a lot of times I've heard men or women talk about the workplace, and they're like, so-and-so professes to be Christ, and I wish they wouldn't make that public. Okay, But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about someone that takes a stand based on the Word of God, not preferences. That speaks up for the Lord, not in an obnoxious way, but in a faithful way. Because notice what it says. He's there because of the Word of God. There are absolutes for which we should take a stand. Do you agree? And the testimony of Jesus. Those absolutes point us. If you want to get pushback in this world, then just say, Jesus is the only way to be saved. If you want to get pushback in this world, then just say that God has absolute standards for marriage and morality. And yet, all who seek to live godly should expect and will suffer persecution. John did. That's why he's on the island of Patmos. Jesus did. That's why he went to the the cross. Daniel did. That's why he landed in the lion's den. And so will we. And so when that happens, here's what we need to understand. Not only expect tough times till Jesus comes, but number two, endure them. The key is to expect them so that we will endure those tough times. Endure tough times till Jesus comes. And there's two reasons to do it. Why should I endure? Why can't I just, you know, give up? Endure tough times to enter the kingdom. To enter the kingdom. Notice in this verse, look at verse 9 again. There's three things that are tied together. Tribulation, kingdom, and perseverance. Hello, this is really important. You know what it says here? You can't have one without the other. You can't have one without the other. Well, I like that kingdom part. Let's reign as kings. Let's have the kingdom. Well, you can't have the kingdom without the tribulation. But you say, well, how can I make it through the tribulation and get into the kingdom? Perseverance. And guess where they're all found? Well, I just want Jesus. Well, you can't have Jesus without him as your king. You can't have Jesus without tribulation in following him as your king. And the good news is, if you have Jesus, he's going to give you the ability to endure. Turn your Bibles to Acts 14.22. Turn your Bibles to Acts 14.22. This was Paul's method of discipleship and encouraging young believers. Acts 14.22. These are new baby Christians in a baby church that's just been planted. And here's what Paul, a couple years old, here's what Paul says. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. That's perseverance. Saying, you must, through many tribulations, enter what? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Well, there's the three things. Perseverance, 
tribulation? How do I get to the kingdom? Is He going to pop me out and rapture me up out of all the hard times? No, you go through the tribulation to get to the kingdom. I mean, there's so much there. Now, the good news is this. Endure tough times because in Jesus, you're empowered to persevere. You're empowered to persevere. I like what John does. He says, I'm your brother and fellow partaker in tribulation and kingdom and perseverance, and all of those are in Jesus, but what does he leave to the last in the list? Tell me. What's the last of those of the three? Which does he list last? Tribulation, kingdom. What's listed last? Perseverance. Perseverance, which are in Jesus. Where do you get the endurance to persevere? It's got to be found in Jesus. So this isn't a pep talk. John's not saying, hey, hunker down, try harder, and grit it out. He's saying, hey, in Jesus, you can have perseverance. Listen to 2 Thessalonians 3.5. Here's what Paul says to the Thessalonians when they were suffering. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of of Christ or the it's the same word the perseverance listen what you need to get through what you're going through right now is available to you already in Jesus but we're never going to have that tough time perseverance without number 2 we need prime time persistence tough time and endurance comes through prime time Persistence. And that's where we see verse 10. How is he able to persevere? How do you direct your hearts to the perseverance that's in Jesus? Look at verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of the trumpet saying, Write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches. Here's the key. Prime time will get you through the tough times. Let's say that together. Prime time will get you through the tough times. Now, let's all say it together. Prime time will get you through the tough times. He's in the Spirit, and He's writing down the Word of God. It's the Spirit and the Word of God. It's time in the Word, in the leading and the power of the Spirit. Wow! That's just cool. Do you realize? I mean, this verse... I go back to this verse so much. John is persecuted. He's exiled. He's on a volcanic island. He's 90 years old. He's having to do manual labor. He doesn't know if he's going to survive. And what's he doing on Sunday? He can't physically make it to the seven churches of Asia, the local churches. But what's he doing? He's in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Wow. He persisted in spending prime time with God in spite of his persecution. Jesus spent prime time with God after his busiest day on this planet. The busiest recorded day, he rose early and spent prime time with God. 
the day before he was going to die, the night before he was going to die, he spent prime time in the presence of God. Daniel spent prime time with God living in exile in Babylon three times a day, even though it would cost him time in the lion's den. Paul and Silas spent prime time the night they were thrown in jail after being beaten. They sang praise. John Bunyan, the English Puritan, spent prime time in jail for many years. He could have left the jail if he would promise to quit preaching. He had a family. He had multiple children. And he remained in jail and he wrote the second most popular book on the planet, which is Pilgrim's Progress, read by more people, the most read book, on the planet other than the Bible. He wrote it in prison. Corey Timboom, Betsy Timboom, spent prime time in concentration camps. And uh, you, you read that story, they had these awful fleas, and her sister Betsy were cursing the fleas. And, she, and Corey said, Bet, Betsy, or actually, Corey was cursing the fleas. You always, you always think Corey was the spiritual one. She wasn't. She was the whiner and the complainer. You know, I can relate to that. She was complaining about the fleas, and Betsy said, don't complain about the fleas. It keeps the guards from coming in our barracks, and as long as the guards don't come in, we can hold these Bible studies and preach the gospel to our fellow prisoners. Now listen, you and I can spend that same kind of prime time with God if we understand three things about it. Number one, prime time is daily time. It's daily time in the Spirit and the Word. So you say, Chris, what are you talking about when you say prime time? I'm talking about daily time in the Spirit and in the Word. Now, John is in the, in the Spirit. He's worshiping the Lord on the Lord's Day. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him and reveals to him the book of Revelation. So now maybe you're saying, wait a minute. Are you saying that if I spend time with God, I'm going to get a... A divine revelation? Should I be expecting? No. Because John was an apostle. What did, what did the risen Lord tell John to do with what he saw in the Spirit? What was he told to do in, these verse, in verse 10? Do what? Write in a book. And where was he to send it? And guess what? It's still being sent today. Here it is. So, I get alone with God. I don't expect extra revelation. I have the revelation. I just need to be in the Spirit and let the Spirit teach me the Word of God when I'm in there. Now, the beauty of this is, when we think about the Changs and, and the Seed Company and the Makonde Project, not every people group has, believers in every people group, have the ability to have the Word of God in their language. You know, our, our thing is not, do we have the scriptures? It's which Bible do I want to spend time with God today? How many of us have more than one Bible at home? Right. How many of us have more than three Bibles at home? Raise your hand high. More than three. Yeah. How many of you have at least a dozen on your computer? Yeah. Yeah. Prime time. Prime time. With God. Listen, even intense persecution could not keep John from making time in the presence of God a daily priority. What is keeping us from doing the same thing? 
Good question. Good question. Now, his rhythm of life. I, this, this, I made. This, I, I, I got thinking about this. Let me, let me. Uh, the rhythm is. I got it right down now. I'm sorry. To us, as we've studied the opening of this book, it's to you, which is us, right? And we get the resources, and it's from Him which is the triune God, right? The Father, Son, and the Spirit. And then it's back to you, that is Him. That's the rhythm of worship. That's the rhythm of John's life. That's to be the rhythm of the church. Grace and peace to you in the church from Him, the one that we worship and spend time. And then out of that, He's the one to you. We do everything to you. I parent to you. I work to you, for you. I, I cut the grass to you. I make my dinner to you. Out of what you have given to us and spending time in His presence, then we live. This is the rhythm of life. And this should be the rhythm of our prime time with God. God, you have something for me. And I want to get it from you. And I want to spend time with you so that I can go out and do carpe diem, quorum deo. I want to seize the day for you in the presence of you. Man, that's how you maintain perspective right there. That's the rhythm of life, right? And if you spend too much time out here doing things for Him and not receiving what He has for you, and not recognizing that what you're receiving and what you're doing is about bringing His presence into this fallen world, then you lose perspective in ministry. You lose perspective on your marriage. You lose perspective on why you're here this morning. We are here this morning to receive from Him. He has things to you. We are here to exalt Him, Father, Son, and Spirit. We are here to leave here Carpe diem, quorum deo. Seize the day for the glory of God. Prime time is daily time. Number two, prime time is weekly time on the Lord's day. Weekly time on the Lord's day. He says in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Do you realize that this is the first time in all of the New Testament that Sunday is called the Lord's day? This is the first time. Here we are in the last book. The last apostle is dying off. And he's writing. And the risen Christ says, What I'm going to show you, I want you to send to seven churches. And I'm granting you this revelation. Because here you are. Tough time perseverance. Prime time persistence. And you're on the Lord's day. And I'm going to give you this revelation. Now think about this. Think about this. What would have happened to John if he had skipped church that Sunday? What would have happened? Now, when I say skip church, it's him in the spirit, okay, in a cave. But what would have happened if he had slept in that Sunday? We, yeah, I, you know, I mean, now God would get us in some way, but it wouldn't have been coming through John. Or the Holy Spirit would have done what he does to some of us and say, wake up. Get to church. Worship me. No, he, he, 
he had that prime time persistence. I really think, now listen, now you think about this. This is totally Chris's opinion, so now I'm stepping away from sure. Okay, so don't take this back to Nigeria and preach this, okay, brother? But John gets the, the, the revelation of the book of Revelation on Sunday. I just am halfway suspicious if Jesus doesn't come back on a Sunday. Because he gives you, he gives him this revelation. I'm not setting any date, but I'm just saying, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if on the first day of the week, the day representing the new creation, the day that he rose from the dead, that he comes back and he returns. I don't know about you, but I want to be in church if that happens. Amen. And it's not a building; it's with the people of God, and it's being in the Spirit on the Lord's day. But. Even if he doesn't come back on a Sunday, he's going to come back on a day. And the question is, are we going to be in having spent prime time in an attitude of worship on the day that Christ returns? You say, that's tricky, Chris. That's a trick question because he could come back any day. Exactly. Prime time is daily time. Prime time is weekly time. Number three, prime time is priority time with the Lord. Priority time. The Lord's day is the first day of the week. You know, we need, in the work world, what's the first day of the week in this culture? Monday. And we tend to think everything starts, and Saturday, Sunday is our time. But in reality, when does the week start? Sunday. And it's not our time, it's their time. Father, Son, and Spirit. Being with the people of God. Priority time. He comes first, not last, the first day of the week. He gets the best, not our leftovers. Well, you know, we'll worship with God's people if we have the energy, if we're not too busy, if we're not planting or gardening or traveling or whatever we're doing. He is worth the cost more than the loss. Whatever you lose in putting God first in your life and in your Sundays He's worth the cost because He gives the most to us. Man, that's just, that's just good stuff. Now, here's the last point. You'll never possess tough time persistence or perseverance without prime time persistence because it's only through prime time persistence you can maintain an end time perspective. We need to maintain an end time perspective perspective and that's verse 11 because look at verse 11 what does what when 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 the risen christ and we're going to see next week i think it is the risen christ who's speaking to him when the risen christ speaks to him and says write what you see in a book and send it what is it that he's sending The book of Revelation. That's an end-time perspective, okay? That is the end-time perspective. And so basically, we need to know the book of Revelation in order to persevere to the end. We need to know. And of course, the best news in the book of Revelation is chapters 20, 19 19 through 22. And what's the good news? Who wins in the end? Jesus comes back, he wins. We win in the end. So we need to have a winner's mentality in our tough times. 
Who needs an end-time perspective? Well, Revelation 2 through 3 tells us believers need it who are going through tough times. And if you read through Revelation 2 through 3, it's believers and it's churches that need this end-time perspective. Believers and churches that are going through the very things. Right now in our city, there's a church that's going through false doctrine. There are churches in our city that are going through immorality in the pulpit and the pew. There are churches that are going through all the things you read about in Revelation uh, uh, 2 through 3. And guess what? We need to know that Jesus is coming back. And He's going to judge. And He's going to save. And we need to have that perspective. And how long do we need it? Until you hear that trumpet blow. Notice what it says. He heard, in verse 10, I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. Listen, one day that last trumpet is going to sound. Now, think about this. Why did it sound behind him? So he's in the Spirit. He's connecting with the Lord. He's in the Spirit. He's worshiping. And yet behind him, why do you think that? Well, if somebody comes up behind you, and makes a loud noise. I don't want to scare my brother. But if I make a loud noise, what are you going to do? You're going to jump. What did we say about the second coming? It's going to be sudden. It's going to be uh, soon. And it's sure to come. It's going to be sudden. John was taken by surprise. And we're going to be taken by surprise. But we can still be ready if we maintain tough time, perseverance, prime time persistence so that we can have an end time perspective during the tough times. All right? So, you know, the application is very simple. Figure out, evaluate, how's your prime time with God going? Is it daily? Is it weekly? Is it a priority? Because it'll be worth it. It'll be so worth it. And He's going to come And wouldn't that be great if he came right now today, right in our worship service? Wouldn't that be glorious? The preaching would improve. The worship would improve, wouldn't it, Brother Bruce? Because you know why? Because all of a sudden, we'd be in whose presence? Jesus. 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 And man, the singing, the worship, the living, the joy, the troubles, the tears will be gone. The pressure will be gone. And we have all of eternity to learn of His grace and of His glory. Amen? But you know what? we got people without Bibles. We've got unreached people in villages. We've got unreached people here in Kansas City. They need to see our perseverance through tough times. Amen? All right. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Father, we come and we realize, Lord, wow. What a privilege we have to enter into your presence. We have a Bible that has been fully revealed. We don't have to have ecstatic dreams and visions. We have the Word of God, but we have your Spirit and we have your presence. And Lord, we have this church. And Lord, I pray for each of us to evaluate where are we in our prime time with you? Is it daily? Is it consistent? Is it weekly? Is it a priority? 
Father, may we be ready. And Lord, those that are in tough times, and we have people that are in some very hard times right now, Lord, may they have this perspective. May they maintain their persistence in meeting with you. And Father, may they may their hearts be directed to the perseverance that is in Jesus. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need help with uh, quiet time, ideas, things to do, don't hesitate to come. I can give you tools and ideas.